The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Yeah, a little bit from the beloved Hocus Pocus fans. Delighted to welcome a sequel hitting their screens over the weekend. Deirdre Malumbi is a pop culture and entertainment expert and she is with me. Now, Deirdre, have you watched the new Hocus Pocus? I have actually and I'm a huge fan of the original so I enjoyed it immensely. I don't care what the reviews say. I think it's good fun. (laughs) Oh, no, you see, your your opinion is wrong now. That's what the experts would say, Deirdre. (laughs) I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. There are a lot of sequels out there that are just pure fan service and are just made for those who, you know, love the original uh, feature. And I think that this film is just that. If you have no interest in the the original Hocus Pocus movie, if you haven't seen it, I don't think you're going to get anything out of this. But anyone who I've spoken to who loved the first one has really, really enjoyed this. I mean, you've got Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker and Kathy Najimy all back as the Sanderson sisters. I mean, those three actresses are just so fabulous together. They're so funny. I think that they share such terrific chemistry. Now, at the same time, I do know that you don't have as great a story as you did for the original movie. I don't think the supporting characters, because the whole idea is there's a whole new kind of gang of kids that they're haunting in this movie. I don't think they're as interesting or as well written. Um, But I mean, you've got your musical numbers and you've got those three fabulous ladies. So what more can you ask for is what I say. (laughs) Okay, so this is about appealing to the Deirdre's out there, the people who did love it. You're not (laughs) going to win over any new fans, which is interesting because what you're here to talk about are sequels that have worked and others that haven't. And one that has really worked in the last year is one that could have just been all about nostalgia, but actually was just a great movie in its own right. The new Top Gun. Yeah, that's just it. I think that as with any blockbuster season, you know, this summer saw the release of a number of sequels. You had uh, the new Jurassic World movie, you had the new uh, Minions movie and a few others in there. But Top Gun Maverick really ended up being the big success story um, at the box office. It made a huge amount of money. A lot of people who went to see it and enjoyed it, you know, a lot of them wouldn't have even necessarily needed to have seen uh, the first Top Gun. But if you saw it, you kind of got a lot of enjoyment out of it as well. I think Top Gun Maverick works so well because it's just one of those big dumb popcorn movies made for the big screen made for that surround sound and the atmosphere and everything and I mean the movie was delayed and delayed and delayed particularly during the pandemic because um, you know Tom Cruise and the filmmakers behind it they wanted people to see it on the big screen they absolutely refused to let it go straight to streaming and I think it absolutely was worth the wait it's a lot of fun. Yeah, but isn't it interesting? And you said it there. I mean, there was a few nods to the original, the F-14 Tomcat and things being the plane. The only, oh, sorry, I I won't say any more than that for people who haven't seen it. But anyway, it makes a reappearance at a certain point in the movie. So you have to have a few nods, don't you, to the original just to satisfy the real the real fans. I think so. I think that the thing about the really strong and successful uh, sequels, and I know that Hocus Pocus 2 doesn't exactly fall into this category, but they're the ones that can kind of stand on their own feet, that they're not totally indebted to the first one. But at the same time, you know, they do have those callbacks to the originals to kind of give, you know, fans a bit of a thrill and a bit of a kick, you know. 
All right, uh, where 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 to next then in terms of sequels that work? Well, I have to mention The Dark Knight because this is an absolute classic. And it's one of those movies that I think people sometimes forget is a sequel because it does um, stand so highly in its own right. I think that The Dark Knight, um, another huge box office success, but it just it has it all. It has the drama, action, suspense. You can enjoy it as an entertaining popcorn movie or you can kind of delve into it a bit deeper and look at its themes of like terrorism and questioning the morality of vigilantism. You can kind of enjoy and appreciate on uh, both fronts. And then, of course, you had Heath Ledger giving an absolutely iconic performance as uh, the Joker, a brilliant ensemble there between Christian Bale, Gary Oldman, Aaron Eckhart, uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. And I mean, for many people, The Dark Knight is their favourite movie of all time, never mind sequel. So I have to give that a mention because it's, it's right. such a phenomenal. Let's take a little listen to Batman. People know the hero who saved them. A hero can be anyone, even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world hadn't ended. I think that might have been from the first of the Christopher Nolan movies, and uh, they, like all three of those. So the, they that had two sequels. Uh, it was a Batman Begins was his first one that had two sequels, and they were both brilliant. Dark Knight that you were talking about and Dark Knight Rises. I mean, you compare that to the original Batman series. Well, I say the original, the nineteen eighties into nineteen nineties Batman series, and there was a few turkeys there now on the sequel front, wasn't there? Yeah, certainly when you get into like the Batman and Robin territory, it just like kept on getting like continually camp and just not really know <laughs> what it was doing anymore. But I think, yeah, exactly like you said, uh, Christopher Nolan's um, trilogy is just so phenomenal. And I mean, it starts off with kind of themes and conversations in the first of those uh, movies and then it continues it um, all through all three movies. And even The Dark Knight Rises, um, I don't think it was as huge as The Dark Knight, but I think looking back on it, um, maybe it was a bit underappreciated. I think that that's actually a really strong, uh, solid and entertaining sequel as well, in fairness to it. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. Listen, we can't talk about sequels without talking about these sequels. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your you got Yeah, we're talking about Toy Story, of course. I mean, they got this so right, didn't they? Absolutely did. I mean, Toy Story 2, it's I think that it has like the record. I think it and the original Toy Story for having like a 100 percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, something crazy like that. But Toy Story 3 is my uh, personal favorite. And I have to mention it because there are very few prequels that are able to not only keep the momentum of the original movies, but actually kind of up the antes, um, particularly with regards to the emotional quality of Toy Story 3. I mean, Pixar always delivers on, you know, the laughs and the tears. But I think the thing about Toy Story 3 and why it, you know, appealed across generations was because it does look at themes we can all relate to, that idea of growing up and letting go. And there were a couple of scenes in it that still bring a lump to my throat, even when I think about them. And it's funny, I tend to think about the Toy Story movies as a trilogy, and I keep on forgetting that there was actually a Toy Story yes. 4. I think that we... I think that we can just like leave that movie to the side. I really wish that Hollywood had just realized Toy Story 3 was the perfect way to end that story. But I do appreciate the fact that 
the whole idea of Toy Story 4 was that it gave, you know, Woody kind of um, that character a happy ending because he didn't really get that in Toy Story 3. But then it just kind of left the other characters on the sidelines. So that was a bit disappointing about that movie. But Toy Story 3 is amazing. And I will rewatch those movies like every year if I can, because they're so beautiful. And it, it's remarkable to think, because I know at the time after Toy Story 1, uh, like there was talks in Disney to just do a direct-to-video version of Toy Story 2. That was the model. They did that with all their previous big characters cartoon hits you know there are you know there's a second Lion King and a second Little Mermaid and everything else and they just went direct to video thankfully they decided actually let's invest a load of money in Toy Story 2 and make a big movie um, before you go Deirdre we're talking about all the hits here what about the ones that don't work so if we were talking about if we're talking about bad sequels I have to mention Terminator 3 Rise of the Machine now as we know <laughs> been so many attempts to reboot the Terminator series. You had Terminator Salvation, Terminator Dark Fate, Terminator Genesis. But I think that we can all readily acknowledge that Terminator 3 was just the worst of all of them. It's so forgettable. It had such rubbish antagonists. It was completely devoid of any charm or humour. Um, the two stars of a Claire Danes, um, who I absolutely adore as an actress, like Homeland particularly, I think she's phenomenal in, and Nick Stull, they were completely miscast here. And it just, it didn't work at all. And it actually was an insult to the previous two Terminator movies. So if there is one sequel that you could that you can avoid it would be this one and I'm so sorry for anyone who like me has had to suffer through it already Well the irony is uh, Deirdre that a lot of people are texting in to suggest that the greatest sequel of all time was in fact Terminator 2 uh, I know there's a lot of fans of it uh, uh, what, listening to this show and here's said watching this show watching Terminator 2 listening to the hard shoulder like L in Cork also a fan of Ace Ventura when nature calls not a fan of Dumb and Dumber 2 L thank you for the text 53106 the number thank you to Deirdre Malone as well the entertainment uh, journalist uh, a lot of people getting in touch uh, uh, with their favourite movie sequels I adore Trainspotting 2 perfectly pitched and the lapse in real lifetime really made the movie it was as if the sequel was haunted by the original well thank you for all of those texts thank you for all the texts right throughout the show thank you for listening thank you to our production team Alex Russo Elaine Smith Roisin Davis on research producer Ronan Coveney editor Mark Simpson Michael Quilligan Peter Malloy were on sound off the ball as always they're up next and I will be back tomorrow from four. Have a good evening, folks. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.